You're listening to Key Matters from Kappa Kappa Gamma with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. I'm Kylie Smith, the Archivist and Museum Director, and my co-host is Dr. Mary Osborne, the Director of the Stewart House Museum. Thank you for joining us as we travel through the Key Magazine from 1882 to today. All right, Dr. Oz, so you got 1900, the new century. I can't wait to hear about it. Great. So here's what's happening in the world in 1900. The United States adopted the gold standard for its currency. The U.S. Post Office issued its first book of postage stamps. The Boxer Rebellion broke out in China. And Great Britain is in the midst of fighting the Boer War. Famous people born in 1900 include British statesman and naval officer Lord Louis Mountbatten, the last Viceroy of India and uncle to the current Duke of Edinburgh. Composer Aaron Copeland was born on November 14th. Sculptor Selma Burke, known for her relief of President Franklin D. Roosevelt. And World War II correspondent and Pulitzer Prize winner Ernie Pyle, who was a Hoosier. Um, notable people who died in 1900 include inventor Gottlieb Daimler, who designed the first motorcycle, railroad engineer Casey Jones, who was involved in the Cannonball Express train wreck, and playwright Oscar Wilde. And then I thought I would include um, our two Kappas who passed away in, in this period here, along with the kind of the, the deaths just to kind of zero in on what was happening in the world of Kappa. But um, I believe in uh, a previous episode, I mentioned, or you mentioned, uh, Bonna Thompson from New Chapter at Butler. She died on October 12, 1899 in Irvington, Indiana, which at this point is still um, its own uh, town and later it would be annexed by Indianapolis. She died of typhoid fever. And the reason I bring her up is that her parents later financed a library on Butler's campus in Irvington dedicated to her memory, which opened a few years later in 1903. And it is one of two buildings still standing from Butler's Irvington campus. It's now a community center center and the Irvington Historical Society's headquarters. So I visited the Bona Thompson Memorial Center before I ever became a Kappa. just neat how everything kind of is a big circle. So <laughs> very cool. I love it. Um, and then Kate Beveridge from Yoda Chapter at DePaul died on June 18, 1900. She was married to Senator Albert Beveridge. Um, he was a, a U.S. Senator from Indiana and historian. He's known for writing biographies of John Marshall and Abraham Lincoln. And he sponsored the Meat Inspection Act of 1906 and supported the annexation of the Philippines. So moving into the examination of this year's issues, I decided to continue with my thematic exploration. So a new century means that we move closer to a more modern, recognizable college experience. More women are moving away to attend college, which prompts some campus to admonish upperclassmen to show some TLC to the freshmen. The April issue includes an essay about the challenges uh, that freshmen face, in particular homesickness, what we might uh, today call culture shock, and just simply adjusting to a new routine. Wait, can I pause you for a second? Because in my issue, one of the recommendations was to have seniors 
observe or um, to have seniors monitor the academic work of freshmen to make sure it is up to excellent standards. So I like the opposite. In 1899, they're like, we got to make sure these freshmen are carrying their weight. And in 1900, they're like, just love on them. <laughs> well, there there is uh, an article that veers a little more towards kind of the um, hard, tough love, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, uh, so on the one hand, chapters are encouraged to be kind to first-year students, but an article in the July issue on page 135 also reminds new members to accept menial tasks with grace. Oh. <laughs> everyone, has her place, everyone has her place in the chapter. Uh, there's also continuing discussion about what makes a desirable member. In the October issue, Ida Howard of Theta said, quote, we all know the class of girls we most desire for Kappa's, the all-around girl, not the girl of extremes, the bookworm nor the social butterfly, but the girl who, com who can combine these two diverse elements in the most all-sustaining harmony. So the part about the bookworm hurt a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not just a bookworm. So. I'm not, but I'm sure I would probably fall more in that extreme than the the all-around girl. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what extreme I would fall in. Especially in college, especially as a college student. I would yeah. be more one end of that. Um, so not only is there some reflection upon one's place within the chapter, but also upon the chapter's place within the larger university system. One question that arises in these issues is whether the fraternity spirit is antithetical to the college spirit. This debate differs slightly from the one we saw in previous issues. Um, there, this time, um, there are no religious overtones and no suggestion that fraternities are anti-administration. Instead, this question focuses more on the effects on the students. So which spirit promotes inclusivity and which exclusivity? One author argued that the two spirits were not at odds with one another because they perform different functions. The fraternity is exclusive, but its spirit engenders its members to become the best version of themselves. They then are better able to foster the college spirit, which is inclusive. And then events on campus um, include a smallpox outbreak. Several schools experienced um, some smallpox episodes. And just for your information, the CDC declared smallpox eradicated in 1972. So we don't get vaccinated for smallpox anymore. But um, in 1900, Bucktail College, which you remember that this is a school that Ada Mariner um, taught at for a couple of years. So I always follow their, uh, their report. And Bucktail becomes? Part of the University of Akron. And Indiana University had to quarantine students. So Delta at Indiana University reported that all of its students were vaccinated after the scare. So I'm kind of interested in just how smallpox, the treatment for smallpox evolves because um, earlier I read um, a, a journal from a, a teacher in Monmouth who was friends with Jenny Boyd. And we know that uh, Jenny was vaccinated for smallpox in 1875. So our founders are pioneers in a number of ways. So I wanna follow up on that. Um, so in addition to smallpox, Bucktail really had a bad year. <laughs> a fire damaged part of its college building 
And it's easy to forget that at this point, there are only two buildings on Bucknell's campuses and indeed on a number of these smaller um, schools, they only consist of maybe two or three buildings. They're, in Bucktel's case, there's the college building, which is a four-story edifice that included dormitories, parlors, um, classrooms, and then there is the gymnasium, which is a separate building. So how much more devastating are these natural disasters when all services are concentrated in you know, one or two buildings? So the, the Kappas at Bucktel have to find a new place to meet, and I think they move off campus to um, an alumna's um, home or, or some rooms off campus. Well, and also at this time, remember a bunch of campuses or students are writing in about how they're participating in subscription drives to help raise money for new buildings. And that's interesting because, I mean, that's totally unheard of anymore. Administrators do the fundraising and tuition, I'm sure, doesn't go towards capital improvements like that necessarily. So um, it'll be interesting to see when that kind of stops, when students are no longer actively participating in that fundraising for a new building. Yeah, probably when the cost of building materials and labor exceeds anything, um, uh, college students would be able to really significantly contribute towards. But yeah, that, that is an interesting point. Um, the Kappas at Bucktel managed to save their archives, except the annual report. So good for them. <laughs> Yeah. Um, also, I thought it was really interesting. The students were right in the middle of this, carrying out furniture and you know doing kind of doing their part, which today that would not be allowed because of the liability. So they would be you know ushered off campus, and somebody else would be taking care of that. In happier news, new chapter at Butler reported that the author and historian Edward Everett Hale spoke on Butler's campus about the Battle of Lexington. Hale is best remembered for his short story, The Man Without a Country, um, but he was also uh, an expert in Revolutionary War history, so there on campus for a number of reasons. Um, also, Beta Beta, at uh, my, one of my favorite chapters at St. Lawrence, announced in the January issue that its new president, Dr. Alman Gunnison, started a woman's professorship fund. And it appeared that they were working toward um, a $30,000 endowment. They didn't call it an endowment, but I kind of got the sense of maybe that's what the, they were working toward. So that was interesting. Um, the key also has some advice for graduating members. And I thought I would take a moment to read these rules that a 96 grad from Psy chapter um, included in the January issue. So she says um, one, and there are eight rules. Don't take yourself too seriously. Two, don't assume that you are necessarily the superior of every woman who has not been to college. Give her a day or two to prove that she is a fool before you regard it as an established fact. <laughs> There's some shade. There's a lot of shade. Uh, number three, don't look upon yourself as divinely appointed to reform the world. The world is too old to be changed much, even by a whole club of college women. Four, don't distribute information gratis. Free lectures tend to pauperize the masses. Number five, don't consider it a crime to see the funny side of college women, yourself included. Number six, don't spell the words college and woman with a capital, even in thought. Freshman rhetoric should have warned you against that fault. Number seven, meditate occasionally upon how little you know in comparison with some of those around you who have not been to college. I really liked that part. Real life experience is important yeah. too. 
And finally, number eight, again and again and again, don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> Alumni Association News, as you pointed out in, in 1899, is taking a more prominent place in the key as associations are publishing their programs for the year. Most of these lecture series are on topics related to travel, geography, or literature. It reminded me a little bit of um, there used to be a, a travel club or travel series here in Monmouth, and, I and it was usually focused on a particular culture, like Great Britain or, or Europe or something, and I just so many parallels to these, these lecture series back in the early 20th century. And speaking of alumni events, founder Lou Stevenson Miller attended a Thanksgiving banquet in November 1899 at the Midland Hotel in Kansas City, which was hosted by Missouri and Kansas alumni. Lou talked about the early history of Kappa Kappa Gamma. And it's too bad we don't have a transcript of that talk because it would be interesting to compare these reminiscences with her later ones. Um, also, I'd like to do a quick shout out to the Denver Alumni Association, which was formed in 1900 because I'm presenting a virtual tour of Stewart House to, next week to its uh, members. It's a convention year. An editorial by a Sigma chapter member appeared in the January issue on choosing a delegate for convention. It made me wonder how did chapters decide on whom to send? And her point, which was very valid, um, was that it shouldn't be a popularity contest. So I'm kind of wondering what criteria they used. This year's convention in 1900, that is, was held at Columbus, Ohio with Beta New hosting. And apparently nobody enjoyed going through the process of taking the convention photograph as one member complained in the October issue. It never seems to do anybody justice. <laughs> it just reminded me of how it is. It's a little bit like hurting cats to get everybody in a photograph and then making sure that people are in the right place and how much longer it would have taken then because you have to wait for the, the flash and hold still and... We saw part of a movie the other day. I think it's A Million Ways to Die in the West. And so it's a, a spoof on 19th century, like old West towns. <laughs> They're talking about taking a picture. And he said, don't smile. Nobody smiles in pictures. Can you imagine smiling? You look like a crazy person. <laughs> Going on and on about that must be why nobody smiled in the photographs back then. <laughs> and then just to wrap up my examination here. Um, Columbus's streetlights also attracted attention. So one member observed, quote, instead of commonplace arc lights, steel arches closely set with incandescence span the street at intervals of half a block. Columbus is known as Art City at this time. That makes sense. I, I, I just, I knew if I brought up this observation that you would probably be able to kind of add to that because yeah, I just, I wondered, but that, yeah, that was interesting. And so those are Dr. Oz's highlights of 1900. Ooh. Well, and you wait, you wanted 1900 though. You didn't mention anything about Dr. Crawford. I didn't because she, well, she does matriculate at Cornell, but she isn't mentioned in any reports. Oh. So she, I know that she becomes the historian for side chapters. So I'm sure she'll make an appearance later on but I had to choose before obviously I had read all the issues so yeah um she what year did she initiate at Kappa well I so if she matriculated in 1900 probably 1901-ish 
a one or a um, so then she'll appear whenever they report their new members, usually six months later, I guess, thereabout. So she'll appear sooner rather than later. All right. Well, thanks for the review of 1900. No problem. You've been listening to Key Matters, brought to you by Kappa Kappa Gamma, with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. Our headquarters is in Columbus, Ohio. Our house museum, the Stewart House, is in Monmouth, Illinois. You can find us online at kappa.org, or you can peruse our digital archives at kappa.historyit.com. Research and production is done by the director of the Stewart House Museum and member of Alpha Deuteron Chapter at Monmouth College, Dr. Mary Osborne, and me, Kylie Smith, from Omicron Deuteron Chapter at Simpson College, and the archivist and museum director for Kappa Kappa Gamma. Thank you.